You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. This is God's word for my life. I read it, receive it. Praise the Lord. If you would go with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. 2 Chronicles is in the Old Testament, not to be confused with 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. Amen. 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter. I'm going to start at the first verse. Ah, Thank you, Lord. Okay. 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read from the New International Version. And it reads, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Midianites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea, and they're already at the Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now let's skip down, if you don't mind, to the 14th verse. The 14th verse reads, Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the passages, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this sacred and specific preaching moment. God, get the glory. Get the glory. Break up the fallow ground. Allow our hearts to be pricked. Allow everything that is heard, allow everything that is said to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Today, church, as we conclude this center stage 
worship series, I want to talk to you just for a little bit about worship as warfare. All right? So last week, Pastor Mario uh, talked about the different expressions of worship, right? He gave us a bunch of Hebrew words. Y'all remember that? I can't see. Y'all got to talk to me. He gave us a bunch of Hebrew words and talked about Toda and Yoda and Barak and Shabbat and told us these different expressions of worship. But church, if you would allow me, I want to give you what I believe to be the key to understanding worship. Right, Because I have this blessed opportunity, this privilege to conclude this series, I think it's important and I consider it my responsibility to let you know before we leave this series what exactly it means to worship. What is the key to understanding worship? And saints, I submit to you the key to understanding worship is to understand that worship is about intimacy. Worship is about intimacy. Intimacy, church, is closeness and connection. Intimacy is about a real relationship with God. However, in order to get intimacy, right, because if worship requires intimacy, intimacy requires vulnerability. Vulnerability, church, is freedom from inhibition. Now, I'm telling you now, I haven't started. I want to get this out before we get into the text because it's important that you understand this first. So worship requires intimacy, and intimacy requires vulnerability. Vulnerability is freedom from inhibition. Vulnerability is a willingness to expose oneself. Vulnerability is a willingness to be open and naked before the Lord, allowing him to see everything, things you would hide from others, things you would even hide from yourself if you could. But that's what's necessary to get intimacy. And intimacy is key to worship. Y'all with me? But in order to be vulnerable... In order to be vulnerable, you've got to be willing to trust. Worship requires intimacy. Intimacy requires vulnerability. And vulnerability requires trust. That's faith in God. And so what I'm saying, church, is if worship requires intimacy and intimacy requires vulnerability and vulnerability requires trust, I'm telling you, the depth of your worship is directly related to your trust in God. Where's my daughter? She's going to be the only one who likes me by the end of the day. It's fine. The depth of your worship is directly related to your trust in God. And this is why worship is so rare. This is why worshipers are so hard to find. As a matter of fact, John said, the Father is seeking worshipers. He is literally looking for people, true worshipers, to worship him because in order to be a true worshiper, the Bible says you have to worship him in spirit and in, somebody help me, in truth. And I always wondered, what does that mean? What does it mean to worship him in spirit? And in truth, it kind of makes sense, right, to worship in spirit, right? We worship in spirit when we come together corporately and allow the Holy Spirit to endow us and we worship him. But what does it mean to worship in truth? And so Pastor Mario, I gave you a bunch of Hebrew words last week. I'm going to just give you one Greek word, and it's aletheia. And that's what truth means in this particular context. And truth uh, means aletheia. Aletheia really just means freedom from pretense, falsehood, and deceit. 
okay? God is saying, I want worshipers who don't have ulterior motives. I want worshipers who come before me not because they want to get something from me. I want worshipers who really trust in who I am as God. I'm looking for worshipers who are seeking me, who aren't worried about their title, who don't worship me because they have a specific seat in the church. I don't want worshipers who worship me just because their mama and their daddy worship me. But God is saying, I'm looking for worshipers who I can trust. Okay, he's looking for worshipers he could trust. Ask your neighbor, can he trust your worship? Okay, y'all gonna pray with me? I know Pastor Mario is not here, but we all family. Y'all look at me every Sunday on this front row. Don't act like y'all don't know me. Okay, so if God is looking for worshipers and worship requires intimacy, I want to show you something really quick. Intimacy is expressed at three levels. It's expressed at three levels. The first level at which intimacy is expressed is affection. Affection is a favorable or kindly disposition towards a person or a thing. So I can be affectionate toward this cup. This is my favorite cup. I have great affection for this cup. Right When I got this cup and I paid for it, I said, thank you, right? And so affection is a very um, surface level intimacy, right? You could be affectionate toward a thing. As a matter of fact, I just got this card again, and I love it. I got a bunch of compliments on it. I'm very affectionate toward it. It looks good, don't it? And so I'm very affectionate towards a thing or a person, right? We can be affectionate toward one another. We can be affectionate toward our pets. We could be affectionate toward a green light if it comes at just the right moment, right? And so we can be affectionate toward almost anything. So that's a very surface level of intimacy that's one level another level of intimacy is adoration adoration is the action or an act of displaying reverence or respect for something or someone and so when I think about my daughter she will be five months this Thursday and when I tell you I adore this little girl it don't make no sense she can blow spit bubbles in my face and I'll still be like God I just love you so much Right, that's adoration. And so adoration requires relationship. However, it's not as deep. We can still adore and praise things. There was something that's interesting about adoration, right, and the definition is action, right? Adoration is about having respect or reverence for an action or an act. I know I'm teaching and y'all was looking for a preacher, but just follow, flow with me for a little bit, okay? Stay with me, stay with me. So adoration is about an action. And so when we think about this in the context of God, we're not talking necessarily about the person, but we're talking about the power, we have, uh, we have adoration for the power of God. We, we have adoration for the things God has done, for all the doors he's opened and all the ways he's made and all the times he's healed me. That's adoration. We adore you for the things you've done, right? I love you not just because of who you are, but because of what you've done, right? That's adoration. Y'all with me? And so you have affection which is surface level, which we say thank you, right? That's very affectionate. Then you have adoration. Then finally, church, we have awe. Awe is a feeling of, of reverential respect, however, watch this, mixed with fear or wonder. You can't awe everything, and you can't awe everybody, but when it comes to the things of God, he leaves us what? In awe. That's because God is the only one worthy of our respect mixed with fear and wonder. That's why the saints would say he's a wonder. He's a wonder. He's a wonder to my soul. Is that, are y'all with me? Is this, is this making sense? 
Y'all don't have to shout. I just want to make sure y'all are I'm understanding. Are we good? Give me some head nods. I feel like I'm in a Zoom. Everybody got the cameras off. Are we good? Praise the Lord. Okay, so you have affection and you have adoration and then you have awe. These are the three levels of intimacy. And intimacy, again, is required for worship. And I promise y'all I'm not making this up. In fact, the Bible demonstrate this, demonstrates this um, importance of intimacy uh, in the Old Testament in the concept of how the temple was laid out. Y'all remember Pastor Mario preached and taught us about the temple for like it felt like 40 days and 40 nights well, I'm just playing but no he talked about the temple for a long time right we, we really went in depth and we learned about the temple and so I, I created a very um rudimentary drawing just to show what I call the three spheres of intimacy because I want to show y'all how God really laid this thing out right so when we think of the gates of the temple right that's the first sphere that's gates the Bible says what enter his gates with what thanksgiving that's affection right that's a very surface level thing you say thank you when somebody holds a door open for you right you say thank you when somebody lets you over in traffic you say thank you when God um, allowed you to find a parking spot close to the door amen and so we say thank you it's a very surface level it's before we've got in it's before we've really got in close proximity we say thank you simply by being in proximity right that's thank you that's the gates that's affection but then when we get into the courts when we get into the courts if you remember the courts the outer courts and the inner courts is where everything was laid out in preparation for the sacrifice right that's where action took place and so when we think about the courts and we think about action we think about adoration right so the courts is where we praise enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with what praise okay and so we have adoration and that's where the action is but watch this when we get to the temple that's where the presence of God is that's where the ark of the covenant was and so when we got into the temple it was about worship when we got into the temple it was so heavy because of the presence of God they were left in awe that everybody couldn't even enter right and so when we think about worship I want us to think about it in this context the gates is about proximity the courts are about power but the temple worship is about his presence. That's the difference between praise and worship, church. I want to, I want to make this clear before we get into it. Praise, um, praise is about how God comes to us, right? God will come to praise. Matter of fact, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means whenever we praise, he will come. However, we got to take worship to him. Worship requires his presence. You can praise anywhere and at any time, but if you're going to worship, you got to be in the presence of God. Does that make sense? And so what is worship? Worship is our expression, if you're taking notes, worship is our expression of our respect for the personhood of God in all his glory and wonder. When we are worshiping God, we're not worried about what he can do for us. We're not worried about what he's done for us. We're not worried about what he's doing for us. But when we worship, our worship is about the person of God, not the power of God. Does that make sense, church? Okay, now we can get into the text. Okay, very good. So now that we understand the key to worship and what worship is, let's dive into it. So worship as a warfare, right? So here we are in the text. It says Jehoshaphat. Um, received word that there was three armies coming against him. And so who is Jehoshaphat? Jehoshaphat is a righteous king. He's the king of Judah at the time. And the reason I point out the fact that he's a righteous king is because every king at this time wasn't righteous. There were kings before him that didn't follow the Lord. As a matter of fact, Jehoshaphat was said to seek the Lord in all things, right? He rebuilt the kingdom of Judah in God's image and the direction that God wanted to go. And he was blessed because of this obedience. 
obedience, okay? And so his kingdom has grown to such great power and authority that three leaders from three different nations came together and said, we need to do something about this. And so they all came together and said, we're going to create one vast army and wage war against Jehoshaphat. And so at this point, the war has begun, okay? And so what I'm going to do simply for, for a small time, because I know that I'm the only thing between the college students and the meal that's out there, praise the Lord. So what we're going to do is, we'll, is go through this real quick. And then we'll be out of here, okay? I hope y'all are praying with me, church. So the so first thing we need to realize is in uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Midianites came to wage war. And uh, verse 3 says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord, and they came from every town. And so something, the first thing we need to realize, the first thing we need to do when we're using worship as our warfare is we need to evaluate our circumstances. Okay, evaluate your circumstances. After learning about this army, the Bible says Jehoshaphat resolved that he, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. And so he called a fast and then he got all the people together to seek help from the Lord. When we're in the midst of a war, it's our responsibility to evaluate the circumstances, figure out what's going on. Jehoshaphat realized that even though he had an army, his army was not going to fare well against three armies altogether. Amen. And so what you what we what you got to realize is any good soldier will tell you that when you're anticipating a battle, the first thing you got to do, church, is evaluate your circumstances. So when he realized that this issue that he had was greater than what he was able to handle, the Bible says he made the decision to seek help from God. It says he resolved. That means he came to a resolution. And I don't know who uh, needs to hear this today, but church, you probably have had to deal with it all by yourself. You've probably never had anybody to lean on. You've probably struggled day in and day out trying to figure out how you were going to get things done. But God is telling you, ask me for help. You've had to carry it all by yourself for your whole life. You've never been able to depend on your mama, never been able to depend on your family, never had a friend who lasted longer than two weeks. But God is saying, you don't have to carry it. Just ask me to help you. You have to evaluate your circumstances, recognize that it's okay if it's too big for you to handle because you have a big God. I wish I had a church who recognized that we had a God that was bigger than any circumstance, bigger than any army that could come against us. And so the first thing we need to do when we decide worship will be our warfare is we have to evaluate our circumstances and then Next thing it says, after they evaluated their circumstances, right? So Jehoshaphat recognizes, okay, there's three armies coming. I can't handle three armies, so let me get the people together. Let us seek help from God. And then he prays to God, and then God sends an answer in verse 14. In verse 14, God sends his answer, but I want you to watch how God sent it. Verse 14 says, the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah. That's a lot. But watch, this is what's important, right? He sent the spirit of the Lord, sent the word to the descendant of Asaph. And I thought that was curious. I said, God, why do we have this? lineage right here in the middle of the story what does it matter that Jehaziel was a descendant of Asaph 
Well, if you look in your Bibles, church, you'll see that Asaph was the author of Psalm 50, as well as about a dozen other psalms. And also, Asaph was the, he wrote Psalms 50 and wrote Psalms, I believe, 73 through 83. And he not only was the author of the psalms, but he was a chief musician that David had, was one of the men that David put in charge of worship in the house of the Lord. Y'all missed y'all place to shout. Watch this. God didn't send his word, right? We're preparing for a battle. We're preparing for war. There are literally three armies on their way to come and destroy us. And God sent a word not to the generals. He didn't send a word to the scholars. He didn't send a word to the priests. But God sent a word to the worshiper. I need y'all to catch that. I need y'all to catch that. Because somebody in here is waiting to hear a word from God. Well, God is saying, I'm waiting to hear worship from you. You keep trying to make sense out of things. You keep trying to uh, talk to therapists and talk to counselors and talk to your pastor and talk to everybody else. Talk to your teacher. Talk to your TA. But you're trying to do everything but worship. God is saying, listen to me. I send word to the worshiper. So as soon as you show yourself a worshiper, you'll receive a word. Is anybody in here ready to receive a word from the Lord? So... He sends word to the worshiper, and this is what the word says. So this is, this is what you do. So after you evaluate your circumstances, this is what you do. You coordinate your response. Okay? After you evaluate, it's time to coordinate. And this is, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The battle is not yours but God. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The battle is not yours, but God's. And what I love is that he started and ended the word with that same phrase. The very first thing that the Lord said was, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And then the last thing he said was, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And that made me happy, church, because I immediately began to think about all the times God showed up and said, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. The first one I thought about was when he told Joshua be strong and of good courage and then God said wait a minute because that's not what I just said I said well let me back up he told Joshua be strong and of good courage he told Jehoshaphat don't be afraid and do not be discouraged he told Joshua to be strong and be courageous he told Jehoshaphat don't be afraid And don't be discouraged. I said, Lord, I don't hear the difference. He said, well, shut up and listen. Joshua had to be strong and courageous because Moses had died. And there were battles coming before Israel that Joshua would have to fight. And so because because God knew Joshua was going to have to fight, he told him, you're going to have to fight, so be strong and be courageous because you're going to have to fight. However, Jehoshaphat said, he said, don't be afraid. And don't be discouraged because the battle is not yours, but God's. Uh, Oh, I wish I had help. So God is saying the presence of fear is not the absence of strength. The presence of courage is not the absence of discourage. So what am I, what is, what are you trying to say? You're confusing me. Okay, let me slow down. God is saying to you, you are trying to be strong in a season. I'm telling you to sit down. Listen, listen, he's saying, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, the battle is not yours. He's saying, why are you scared when it ain't even your fight? Why are you discouraged when the battle's not yours? This ain't even your business. 
What do you have to be discouraged about? The battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to me. You don't got no reason to be scared because you ain't finna fight. Sit down. He said, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged because the battle's not yours. Ooh, I wish, was, I wish y'all knew where to shout. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged because the battle's not yours. Because they were in verse 3, it says Jehoshaphat was scared and that's why he called on the Lord. God said, don't be scared. What are you scared of? I'm right here. Why are you afraid when this is not even your fight to fight? Then he says, this is all I need for you to do. Watch this. He says, march down there, take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. <laughs> okay. He said, this is all I need you to do. I need you to march down there, st- take your position, stand firm, and then see the deliverance of the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to come over here because y'all shouting over here. Let me work y'all up. He said, march down there. Take your position, stand firm, and then see the deliverance of the Lord. Oh, I wish I had him. He's God is saying, all I need you to do in this season, because you've chosen to worship as your warfare, take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. So what God is saying, all I need you to do is get in position and then watch me work. I need you to get in position and then watch me work. Don't try to help me. Don't try to tell me what you want me to do. Don't try to tell me how you want the battle to end. All I need you to do is march down there, take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. I wish I had a church. God said, listen. The first thing he told you to do, he and this is what I love, because somebody, somebody wants to flee. You know, we have that fight or flight response. But God said, even though it's not your battle, I still need you to go down there. Because he said, march down there. I'm going to tell you exactly where they're going to be. They're going to be in the desert around the corner next to the Krispy Kreme. They're going to be standing right there. What I need you to do is march down there, look them in their face, take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. And so let me tell you something. Just because because it's not your battle don't mean you don't got to face the enemy what I'm saying is you can't avoid contact with the enemy you still gonna have to go into work you still gonna have to go to school you still gonna have to talk to your family you still gonna have to deal with the situation you still gonna have your own inner thoughts but just because the war is going on don't mean the enemy has to can be avoided you still gotta face the enemy because if you don't face the enemy you won't see what God's about to do to the enemy I know it's scary, and I know it can be intimidating, but God said, take your position, stand firm. That means don't move. That means don't flinch. That means don't get scared. That means don't start shaking. Don't start tip drilling. But what I need you to do, baby, is take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. I want you to watch what I'm about to do. I want you to be witness to my glory. I want you to recognize that you couldn't have done it. Listen. Okay, stop. He said, take your position. Stand firm and see. And see. And see. 
He said, don't unsheath your sword. Don't put up a shield. Don't put up a bow. But all you need to do, baby, is open your eyes and watch what I'm about to do. Look at somebody. That's your problem. Y'all keep trying to help God. God ain't asked for your help. Come here, PJ Morton. Soon as I stopped worrying, worrying how the story would end, that's when I let go. And I let God. And that's when things started happening. Okay. Look at somebody and say, let go and let God. Okay. Okay. I'm teaching. Everybody calm down. I'm I'm teaching. Jason, give me a stool. Okay. So we've evaluated our circumstances. And we've coordinated our response. But now, church, it's time to demonstrate our faith. So God has spoken. And he's told us how to respond to the war. And so now it's time to act on faith. So Jehoshaphat and all of Judah demonstrated their faith immediately. The Bible says they did what God instructed them to do. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord. Okay, so let me paint the picture, right? You're the king. You're Jehoshaphat, and you just got a word. There are three armies on their way here right now. And Jehoshaphat said, oh, we got to talk to God about this. And so they talked to God, and God said, March down there, take your position, stand firm and see deliverance of the Lord. This is not your battle. Don't worry about it. What I love is that they didn't go and sharpen their swords, right? They didn't go and start buffing their shields. They didn't go start feeding the horses and start oiling the chariots. They didn't go with all the leaders of the military and start strategizing a plan B just in case God don't show up the way we expect them to, just in case there's one or two stragglers that make their way outside of God's wrath, just in case somebody sneaks around the back. Let's just go come up with a plan. No, 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 no. What they did was they demonstrated their faith in God because the first thing they did as soon as they got word was bow down and worship the Lord. So what I'm telling you, church, your worship, what did I say earlier? Your worship of God is a direct indication of your trust in God. Because they had trust in God, all they they knew to do was to worship God. They didn't question him. They didn't ask him, well, God, do you know about this? Well, God, I'm not sure you saw what so-and-so is doing. God, I don't know if you heard what you call it said this about me. No, 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 no. They said, okay, you said, all right, well, well, God, we bless you. God, we thank you. God, we give you glory. God, we magnify magnify you. God, we justify your name. And so what they said, the Bible says they go on to say some of them even began to praise God and praise him with a very loud voice. Sometimes your shout can do more damage than your fist ever could. I said sometimes your shout could do more damage than a kick ever could. Sometimes your holler is worth everything. Sometimes you just need to yell and that'll make the enemy flee. Sometimes you just need to open up your mouth. Don't worry about what they're gossiping about. Don't worry about somebody trying to fight you. Don't worry about them bucking up against you. But as soon as they come up to you talking about let's fight, all you need to do is say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
we give you glory. And what I love about this church is this is how they demonstrated their faith because they hadn't seen how God was going to do it. They didn't see who he was going to use. They didn't know how he was going to make it happen. But what they did know was that they got a word and that word was enough to worship. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but if you get a word from the Lord, don't wait till you see something. That word is enough to start worshiping God right then and there. Come here, Crystal Aiken. I know he can, and I know he will. He can handle it. The old saints used to say, don't wait till the battle is over, but shout, shout, shout right now. I'm teaching. Teaching. So they demonstrated their faith. And so they went and they said, Okay, the Lord has spoken. Let's worship. Let's praise Him with a loud voice. Then the next day, the Bible says, the next day, early in the morning, they went down and Jehoshaphat reminded them to have faith in God and we will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets. And will be successful. But then what I love that Jehoshaphat did. Can you put verse. Um, put verse. Where is it at? Verse 20. Verse 21. I'm sorry. Can you put verse 21 on the screen. Verse 21 says. The next day they had. You know. Jehoshaphat reminded them. Then he said. After consulting the people. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. The King James Version says his mercy endureth forever. And so what I love is that they had a quick choir rehearsal before they went to war. That's a blessing to me. Jehoshaphat said, you know what, who, who can, who, we need some worship leaders. Nia, Jason, you know what, y'all you know, y'all come up here. Let me see what's going on. No, you don't to come up here for real, but I'm saying. The Lord said, Jehoshaphat said, come on, let's see who's going to sing. And then what they did was they got a playlist together. Do you have a worship wartime playlist? I'm not talking about on Spotify. I'm not talking about on Apple Music. I'm talking about in your memory. I'm talking about up here in your heart. I'm talking about, do you have a thing that you think about the person of God? Again, we're not talking about praise. We're not talking about the things he's done, but we're just talking about who he is. And if you ever been in a war and you choose worship as your warfare, you better get to thinking, oh God, I bless you and the splendor of your holiness. God, you are so majestic. God, you are so mighty. God, you are so strong. God, you are the King of Kings. God, you are the Lord of Lords. God, you are the great I am. God, you are the wonderful counselor. God, you are a kinsman redeemer. God, you are a wheel in the middle of a wheel. God, you are a bridge over troubled water. God, you're the calm in the midst of a storm. God, you are God. God, you are God. God, you are God. And all the while they're singing about the splendor of his holiness and how his mercy endures forever. The army is marching in place. The army is behind them getting ready, doing what they were told to do, right? Not doing anything to fight, but simply getting in position and they said he said take your take your position stand firm and see see the deliverance of the Lord and so I want you to understand church that you're going to have to face the enemy but when you get there don't worry about your weapons worry about your worship 
Don't worry about getting dirt on somebody just because they started talking about you. Don't worry about weapons because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So I need you to worry about your worship. Don't worry about weapons in the time of war, but worry about worship. Worry about worship. Get your worship playlist together. Stop thinking about what he's done for you. I promise you, I, I promise you there's a difference. I promise you there's a difference. Don't think about what he's done for you. This is not testimony time. This is simply a time to think about who he is. Okay? So all we're worried about is who God is. And so they, they, he got the worship leaders and he said, y'all get in front of the generals. Move. Move, general. Move. Move, command. Get out the way. Let the, let, let, where's the tambourine? That's, come on. Those are all the weapons we need. Come on. Where's the uh, washboard? Come on. Where's the organist? That's who we need to come. They're going to come up front. And then we're going to worship him in the splendor of his holiness. And we're going to say his love, his mercy endureth forever. And so this is what happens when you choose worship as your warfare. The Bible says in verse Verse 22, they began to sing and praise the Lord. And the Lord, while they were singing and praising, set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir while they were invading Judah. And then it says they were defeated. So this is the last thing I want to tell you. So we evaluate. Then we coordinate. Then we demonstrate. And now the enemy's then defeated. So it's time to celebrate. Oh, church, it's time to celebrate your victory. And I want you to see what, what victory looks like when you choose worship as warfare. Watch this. And I didn't give you this. I'm sorry, Ari. I didn't give you this text. But if you read the rest of the story, 2 Chronicles 20, read the rest of it. But I want you to see what happens. First of all, this is how God used the enemy. Uh, this is how God defeated the enemy. Because I told you there were three armies, right? This is what God did. Oh, glory. God said, you know what? It's three of y'all. So watch this. He took two armies and had them take out the third. And then once that army took out the third, he had the two armies left take out each other. If you use worship as your warfare, your enemies will destroy themselves. Don't worry about trying to get back at people. They're going to make themselves stumble and fall. When you choose worship over your weapons, you don't got to worry about picking up a weapon. You don't got to worry about picking up a sword. But all you got to do is let your enemy fight themselves. That's what victory looks like. And then watch this. Because there were three armies. <laughs> glory. I feel glory. Because there were three armies, what was done in the time when you went to war, the, uh, the, the, the um, army that fell, the army that was defeated, they had all these things left over they had uh, riches and they had weapons and they had all these things and these are called the spoils of war and so because there were three armies there were three times as much spoils and so the bible says there were so many spoils left over from the enemy that it took the army of israel three days to collect it all that means they had to go down to where the battle took place and they had to get everything and they picked up everything and their arms were so full they said we got to come back we're gonna have to come back tomorrow and get the rest of this stuff but then they went back to where the war took place on the second day and they said look at everything the Lord has done look at all these things God has given us oh my arms are still we gonna have to come back and try again tomorrow because there's still stuff left oh but they went back again oh 
and they said look at everything that the Lord has done we're gonna have to get out of here I think this is the last of it let's get okay we're gonna have oh okay that's everything God we thank you we thank you for all the spoils but I want y'all to notice something they didn't just go back for three days the Bible says they still went back on the fourth day and they went into the valley where the battle was fought and they praised the Lord right there where they didn't have to fight the Bible says the valley where the battle was fought was the valley of Baraka the valley of Baraka is called the valley of blessings I don't know if y'all remember Pastor Mario told us last week Barak means to praise Barak means to worship and so in this valley of praise and in this valley of worship in this very place where I was supposed to die in this very place where I was supposed to meet my end in this very place where my enemies were supposed to overtake me I am now going to praise and worship God and God said where the Bible says so much praise and so much worship took place that to this very day look it up that place is still called the valley of praise it's still called the valley of blessings because God moved so wonderfully in that space and so I wonder if there's anybody in here now that we know what we need to do and now that we know what it looks like we've evaluated and we've coordinated and we demonstrated and we've celebrated I wonder if there's anybody in here who's in the midst of a war right now ah, don't fool me it says anybody in here who's found themselves on the precipice of war you mean you, you've heard you've heard murmurings you've heard somebody come and tell you hey the enemy the enemy's coming against you. It may be a war in your own mind. It may be a war at your job. It may be a war in one of your classes. It may be a war in your family. It may be a war in your finances. But I'm trying to tell you, don't try to figure the strategy out by yourself. You've been trying to fight it, but I need you to let God tell you the battle is not yours, but the battle is mine. And so all I need you to do is worship me. I wish I had some warriors in here. I wish I had some warriors in here who was ready to worship. Is there anybody in here who was ready to go to war? Is there anybody in here who's ready to worship? If, you, if you're ready to worship, stand to your feet real quick. Stand to your feet real quick and let's turn this sanctuary into a battlefield real quick. You don't got to worry about no weapons. You don't even got to worry about the enemy. But all I need you to do is worship God. And when you begin to worship God, you'll begin to see the deliverance of the Lord. I said, worship God and see the deliverance of the Lord. I need you to lift your voice, bow down, cry out, do whatever you need to do. But get in a posture of worship because when you worship him, he'll fight for you. I said, when you worship him, he'll fight for you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what y'all can play. I don't know what I want you to play, but I trust you. Play something. Play something because we're going to war. Play something because we're going to war. Play something because we're going to war. And what does war look like? War looks like worship. Worship looks like, God, I thank you for the splendor of your holiness. God, I thank you for your mercy endureth forever. God, I give you glory because you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. God, I lift your name on high because you have a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. God, we glory you today. We glory you in this place. We lift your name. We lift your name as you fight. 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 Jesus is your name. Jesus is your name. Jesus is your name. 
cry out if you need to fall on your knees if you need to but worship him in spirit and in truth worship him in the splendor of holiness let God know that you trust him let him know that you trust him let him know that you're not dependent on yourself no more let him know that you're done trying to figure it out let him know that everything that he has for you you are ready to receive it worship him worship 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 hallelujah so as we conclude this series on worship just know worship is not just a Sunday morning activity worship is not just a corporate experience but worship is something you need to be prepared to do every single day worship is what's going to get you through your toughest battles worship is what's going to allow God get you out the way so God can move and do what he needs to do worship and worship is your expression of your appreciation of the person of God not the power of God but the person of God he is so wonderful he's a wonder he's worthy of worship even when you don't feel like praising that's what I love about worship is worship don't got nothing to do with how you feel worship is about who he is and even when you don't feel good he's still good Worship. You got to move worship out of your emotions. You got to get a worship away from how you feel. You got to get a worship away from your circumstances because worship is always in order. There's never a time when worship is inappropriate. There's never a space where worship is inappropriate. Worship is always called for. Hallelujah. It's my hope and prayer that you understand the importance of worship in every space. Worship. Worship is about intimacy. Worship is about intimacy, but intimacy requires vulnerability. Vulnerability means you got to trust God. Trust Him. Trust him enough to take your position, stand firm, and wait and see the deliverance of the Lord. Let us pray, God, here we are. Here we are, those you are seeking, your true worshipers. We are your true worshipers. We will worship you in the spirit. We will worship you in truth. We are your true worshipers. We bring our worship before you, not because of what you've done, but solely because of who you are. Allow us to stay in a posture of worship, even as we leave this place. Allow worship never to leave our hearts. Allow worship to never leave our lips. Allow worship to never leave our hands, our bodies, our souls, our spirits. Let worship be our portion day in and day out. We give you glory. God, I pray that this moment wasn't squandered.
God, I pray that this preaching moment you took full advantage. God, I pray you got the glory. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.